Hello. 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 Here we are. Can live you hear me? Mhm. And we're live. This is good. Okay, so as usual, live on stereo. Another episode of Mouse of the Clyde. Um, if you're not live, listen to it now. Then you're not going to miss out. We're going to be uploading it to Spotify, Apple, and Google when we finish. So you can catch it on there as well as the previous ten episodes that we've done now. Is this number eleven? This is podcast eleven. Whoa, time flies. I know. I know. Um, we've got again another jam-packed news schedule today. We've got everything you could possibly want, and probably something that's going to annoy most people is we are going to talk about Meghan and Harry again because it's all over the place. So. We cover the news, that's what's in the news, so if you're annoyed with Meghan and Harry, we are going to leave it to the end. We're going to cover, as lo- as usual, we do our local news first, then we do sort of more na- Scotland news, then sort of British news, um, international news, in that order. And But we're going to do Meghan and Harry at the very end, because we can imagine most people are sick to the back teeth of hearing about it, because I know I am. But we always start off yeah. with a wee bit of lightweight, lighthearted, sorry, not lightweight, lighthearted, stupid chat we, we start on first. So I've got something today. Um, and that uh, a rider, you know, the, the, the things that bands give, the, the, the venue, the yeah. contract thing. Uh, so I've got one of them uh, that's going up for auction this coming week. It belonged to Oasis, and it's from the 90s. I'm just going to grab it real quick. Um, but it's going to auction this week. Um, here we go. Um, dates back, they asked for 24 large cans of lager. And they asked for sober staff. Um, that works. The contract is with Primary Talent International. It's expected to fetch up to £1,500 at Hanson's Auctioneers in Derby this month. Um, it says the management, on the contract, it says the management agrees to provide and pay for at least two able bodied and sober speaking persons to assist the road crew <laughs> in the unloading, unloading, setting up, breaking down, and reloading of the artist's equipment. And the contract stated it will also, uh, the, the contract will also be sold alongside a promotional flyer for the event. Um, Claire Howell is a memorabilia specialist at Hanson's, which is the auction house uh, that's selling it. She has such items that are extremely rare, and the auction is expected to attract a lot of interest. It's valued at between a thousand and fifteen hundred pounds, but she wouldn't be surprised to see it selling for more. It could easily whip up a bidding frenzy among fans, um, and such as the enduring po- popularity and nostalgia for Oasis. Um, they had asked for um, a good quality hot meal served in two courses, four liters of water. 10 cans of soft drinks, fruit juices, tea and coffee, and the 24 large cans of lager. Um, so that's going on sale this week. Have you ever looked at the weird band riders? Like that? I have looked at the weird band riders, it's something that interests me. Um, but look, being a sort of child of the 90s and a fan of sort of 90s Oasis. memorabilia and things, would, would you um, buy something like that? I think it would be interesting. Oasis isn't really my bag, but another one would. Someone more metal from the time. Mm. I always love how like, all English bands always have tea on it to make sure they always have tea and biscuits. Yeah. What would you have on your rider if you're like, a famous musician? What kind of things would you ask for? Because I've heard probably, that like, um, before you go on stage, you shouldn't actually eat. It was like a story by Billy Joel. Cause I went and seen Billy Joel live with my dad. And he says that however you can like, all have their like, burgers and stuff beforehand or go for a nice meal. But such as me, like, hiccuping and burping now, um, before you go on and, like, sing or broadcast or whatever, you shouldn't actually eat or drink that much because it can give you sort of, like, reflux or like, make oh, you burp and hiccup yeah. and stuff like that and, and, and if you're broadcast. And so like, usually performers don't eat beforehand. So, and you have been, like, medical issues, your lactose intolerance and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I mean, you can exactly have, like, a macaroni before you went on stage. So 
What would be on your rider? My rider, I would probably have cold juice. That would be like up there also. Some pot noodles. Like mm. a, a pot noodle fountain. I would, uh, let me, I was thinking, I would want some puppies. Puppies? Like, get me some, have some dogs to around. Because they always, no, just to calm me. Like the back room's got a couple of dogs in it. So I could be like, oh, look. Because Max doesn't want to go on the road. Max is a homeboy. No, he wouldn't like the noise. So, so a couple of puppies round. Oh, M&M's without the brown M&M. That's always a special. For God's sake, that's just copying somebody else's shtick. I know. I read the reason why they did that also. Yeah, everything was a reason. Like, oh, you probably wouldn't know. It's so underground and I'm so well informed. <laughs> I'm well informed. I read NME. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> One of our contributors has actually just sent in the reason why they've done it, so they've, I think you'll find the J before you could. Was that Andrew from Inverkip? It was Andrew from Inverkip, yeah. Yes. Um, another weird thing I've got for you is neither of us have got children. Good luck no. for, you know, thankfully for any unborn children, but um, there has been an invention that I've seen online that is a baby cry translator. So it's like some sort of fucking app thing that they're developing <laughs> that you just you turn on and it tells you what kind of cry it is and like oh your baby's hungry or your baby's pissed off or whatever it is do you think that would be useful to parents because like most parents i've seen and like when i've dealt with my own like family like my cousins or whatever certain ways that they've cried or certain ways they behaved i know like oh she's hungry she's tired i don't feel like i need a translator for it i think it's just a gimmick and you just get scared parents but when you say translator mm. the first thing i would think was it puts it full into sentences like mother i am hungry for your nipple you're like, all right, the baby wants bed. Oh, my bed. God. I would like some sleep now, mother. I'm like, all right, bedtime Jesus for you. Christ. Maybe parents could uh, message in and tell us if they would buy a baby cry translator. Another weird thing I saw is, is like, a giant bed. It looks like a super king-sized bed. Um, but maybe, like, a third of the bed had a sort of, like, hollowed-out divot in it in the memory foam. And then you put the baby inside this wee sort of recessed cave inside the mattress. The two parents would sleep on the sort of right-hand side of the bed and the baby would be in this sort of recessed bit of the bed and it would have a sort of perspex like, glass thing around it. So the whole family sleeping in the one bed. Like, I wonder if that's it. I've seen these like co-sleeper things that you sort of just you push up to the corner of the bed and then and oh, yeah, breastfeeding or whatever, you should be close to the baby. But I don't know about having like a built-in bed. But I did see something though in that article about the babies that I thought would be good for you because it was a self-warming bottle, and I thought, oh, you, you know, you're always like forgetting to drink your coffee, or if you want to heat up a pot noodle or something, just stick it in this wee baby bottle that heats itself up. Well, that's awesome. That's that's pretty yeah. good. See, but the bed thing though, is that like mm-hmm. a different? As in, like as soon as that baby's old enough, you're not. That's not going to be used at all. You've just maybe eight months maybe it comes with a, a spare piece of memory foam that you fill in the. In the space, I don't know what the situation is, but anyway, we'll get on. We're going to start with local news to Greenock here. Um, we've got the Greenock Telegraph. Their main cover today: a bowling club is wrecked by flood. Um, a bowling club that's been the heartbeat of the community for eighty years is facing ruin after being hit by a massive flood. So this is at Park Lee, and what happened was one of the main sort of uh, pipe things, the mains burst and saw two hundred gallons of water per minute. Um, leaking out behind onto the grounds behind their clubhouse, leaving a four feet deep, what looked like a swimming pool, they said. Um, and the, the water was so strong and ferocious, the iron gates were torn off and memorial, memorial benches were destroyed, which is a real shame. They're saying it's going to cost thousands of pounds to repair this and will set the club back a year. 
Um, the president Willie Hempel spoke on it and says the entire Green and Park were totally submerged. It was like a swimming pool, so that like that's going to be devastating for them. So they've had this year of COVID, and obviously these sort of places, these bowling greens, like really survive on sort of membership fees, and then I guess money made from the bar or from events and stuff like that. So it's yeah. a year of not having that first of all, and then all this damage. So maybe we'll see sort of going forward the town will rally around to help them financially or something. I'm I'm not sure, but. I hope so because like seeing the pictures of it is absolutely devastating. Look, and it's just I've ruined. Seen those photos too, but the whole like that is mental. Like that grass is so pristine, like all year round. Mm, it's when it's a real care of it. Pretty much, pretty much anyone not standing on it or anything at all, and now mm. we're coming out of COVID, and now they can't even get on it over the summer. Mm, mental. It's a shame. Um, another article in the Telegraph was talking about a young boy. Um, who's 12 years old, his name's Michael Harkins and he's launched his own Instagram business this month um, on which he's making uh, personalised face masks, t-shirts and cuddly toys. He's choosing to donate 10% of all his takings to Argoon Hospice because they looked after his grandfathers, James Lyons and Brendan Harkins um, when they needed some care. Um, the masks are selling for £3 each and so far he's had orders from um, several schools in New York, St Andrews and Murfrit Primaries. Um, so maybe have a wee look up, find Michael on Instagram, support him if you can. It's going to um, the local hospice here in Greenock, which is, is brilliant. That's a great wee thing for a 12-year-old boy, but then it's really showing like, real sort of community spirit there and ingenuity and stuff like that. So that's great, I think. Um, his Instagram, by the way, is, is at underslash custom underslash clothing underslash on Instagram. Um, and it's in the Greenock Telegraph today, so it's their story. They, they put this out. It was written by Amy Shearer. Um, but we will go on and see if we can share Michael's Instagram just so that you guys can um, locate it easily uh, and maybe place an order from him if you want. Um, or even if you want to just donate to the hospice directly, you can just do that. But if you want to get a, you know, a face mask or something for yourself and, and get yes, we boy some business, is, is nice. Um, Would, you a Would you wear a face mask oh. with your name on it? No. I would wear it with something I've seen on it though for a laugh, but I'd probably not be allowed in shops. <laughs> but actually, see, speaking of that, since we'll be the podcast listeners, uh, 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 we sneak peek early. This month we're doing a giveaway. Uh, no, sorry, next month, April, April 9th, I think it finishes. Um, we're going to be doing a giveaway. It's going to contain products that represent all the biz- all the local bu- small businesses in Greenock and Inverclyde. Um, and one of the products in that uh, bundle is going to be a face mask with the mouth of the Clyde mouth on it. So as well as um, all the hundred pound worth of good stuff you get for all the other businesses, you'll get a trashy face mask from us. <laughs> the big do not grab bag. That's yeah, big do not grab bag. Uh, let's go over a comment quickly. Hey, what's up, guys? First off, huge fan of the topic here. Keep up the great work. Question for you: What's your favorite candy? Mm, well, since you're American, I'll tell you my favorite American candy first. I'm really into red vines. I love them, but my all-time favourite has got to be like either Reese's peanut butter cups or almond joys. I really, really like. Um, really like. I love big red. Like mm. I, I scour around to try to find it over here because we don't get it anymore. So it's yeah, like really hard to candy get. Store. And so if you want to be a, if you want to be a friend of ours, the, the the big BV who just commented, we could be a friend. You could send us American candies that we like and can't get in Scotland, and we'll send you like fun Scottish stuff. Mostly boiled treats. Yeah. What's your favourite, like, UK sweet? Oh, I like a bounty. But that seems like nobody seems to like bounties. Like, bounties always seems to be the last one left in a pack of celebrations and stuff. And I quite like bounties. If, for the American listeners that don't know what bounties is, 
like I just said, almond joy is one of my favourites. It's an almond joy without the almond, so it's just like the desiccated coconut and then the chocolate over it. It's just like almond joy. It just tastes like that. Um, comment. You know, I I actually am currently living in in Scotland. Really? That's weird. There you go. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope Scotland's being fun for you and you're enjoying that being here. What What brings you to our shores? I know where, where do you live in Scotland? Um, well, Big BV responds to us. I'll go to the next thing in Inverclyde. There's some road work going on on Westbrook Hall Street. What it is is an investigation in which they're lifting some of the road and pavements to access the foundations. Um, the street's going to remain open. It's going to have some traffic management and parking restrictions. Um, Councillor Michael McCormick has said the start of exploratory works is an integral part of the design process and a positive next step in the important regeneration project. Um, they're basically just redeveloping the street and they need to look in there first to make sure they're not going to bust a pipe or something. Because as we've yeah. seen, that's dangerous. Um, it's, the makeover is, is intended to make the street more attractive to visitors, shoppers and diners, which will be a, a feat for them because Westbrook Hall is... Not, not, not the prettiest street. There's a lot of empty shop faces down there, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, hopefully they'll they'll make it a bit nicer. Another really nice get... story. Oh, sorry, what? No, they've got big blocks. Like they're always sticking out. It's good. They... I hope they plan it right down. Because it doesn't say remember... great details. It just says they're planning no. to redesign the street to make it a bit nicer, more attractive. They're saying maybe they'll make the that... um, rent less expensive so people can actually get premises there and actually be able to afford it. Is that the one they wanted to make into a boulevard a couple of years ago? So that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. It's for the, it's for the nice. cruise ships. It's not for us. They're telling pokey no. pies. It's for the cruise ships. Um, just a wee nice story again, like sort of going back to the story about Michael, his masks. Um, pensioners at Bagatelle received a delivery of plant pots, compost, and a selection of seeds from Erin Moran, who's the project author at Broomhill Gardens. Um, so they've been able to do some, um, some gardening this week, and that sort of brought their spirits up, so that's nice. I like a bit of gardening myself. What about you? Um, I do like having plants, but I'm not good at it. So what I do is I buy orchids um, and like plants are on the discount in Tesco and I try and keep them alive. But my husband's better at it than me. He's more responsible and like waters them and stuff. Uh, I, I actually live near Glencoe. It's um somewhat rural. I, I got it actually just so I could um, become a lord. Smart. I like it. You could have just bought a lordship online though, because like they sell them like them shitty documents, them certificates, and you can buy like, a bit of land at Loch Lomond. So you could have just stayed in America, where they've got like nice food and not had to move here. But I hope you're enjoying staying in Scotland though. And that's how it's done though. You move and become a lord. Is... Yeah. So I've got a local story also. Which Why then? Police were called to Lidl on Monday evening because over a half-naked intoxicated man allegedly shouting abuse at the staff. 42-year-old man was a wreck. It's always Greenock. They're always did you say he was a wreck? No, it did not say that. It said oh. arrested. He was 42-year-old and he's scheduled... It would have been... He was only half-naked, so I don't know if that was top-up or bottom-down, you know? I hope bottom-down. It was Winnie the Pooh and all the way around the shop. Excellent. Now, this kind of behaviour won't be tolerated, especially in key for key workers or to kind of continue providing essential service. It doesn't say if you had a it mask probably, It probably gave them a laugh, though, to be honest. Like, it was probably just a laugh, but that's a shame. I hope he's all right. Yeah. It was cold um, 
there was a TV show being filmed in Inverclyde yesterday, Tuesday, um, a six-part series called Annika. Um, it stars Olivia award-winning Olivia award winner Nicola Walker, who was also in The Split and Unforgotten. I have not seen any of these things, um, but she's in that show, which is due to air on Alibi later this year. They were filming at Lunderson Bay. They're going to be filming in Largs as well, so there were some celebrities, and you all missed it. That's the place that turned the the local like the theater that I can't remember the name of. Oh, the Beacon. Yeah, that was that place. The Beacon was now the yeah the police station. headquarters of Police Scotland. Speaking of the Beacon, that kind of round a wee bit. Uh, the Beacon's looking for partners to provide food, a bar, and event services. They're inviting expressions of interest um, from regional independent caterers, cafes, restaurants, events, and street food operators. Um, so I know there's a lot of small businesses um, and you know, that are that sort of industry. So um, if you're interested in that, you can go um thecaterer.com forward slash business forward slash tenders forward slash beacon slash art slash centre. Um, but again, if you're interested in that and want a direct link, you can contact us on Instagram at Mouth of the Clyde um, and we'll put you onto that link or you can get the group telegraph today because they've advertised it. Um, and we'll just take the opportunity quickly where we're talking on local business to thank our sponsors at the Inverclyde Boiler Company who always sponsor the podcast and our social media and website um, as usual you can keep up to date with the news on the podcast we're always doing polls and stuff on our social media so you can keep up with that um, and we're we're just finished developing our website with Kieran Lang who's a local um, graphic designer and web developer so our website's up now um, that you can see in About Me, but both of us and Max the News Hound on there. There's some blog posts on there already and there's been more coming up um, in the coming days and weeks because, as you know, we've got the initiative on to support local business. And this week we um, did run a competition to recognise um, a local woman for International Women's Day who was a sort of asset to the community and, wanted, and people wanted to recognise. Um, the winner was Siobhan Glover, who runs Cakes by Siobhan, which I'm sure you're all familiar with. Um, she was our uh, Woman of the Year for uh, International Women's Day and we celebrated her and we're going to have an interview with Siobhan on mouthofthecly.com for you this week as well as lots of other interviews coming with um, yep. with small business owners. Um, so keep an eye out with that, keep in touch with us and if there's anything you want to see on the website you can um, contact us and request that or if you, if you are a small business owner and want um, featured on the website or our social media it's it's just it's complimentary, you know, we're not charging any advertising or any stuff like that, no. it's just a a month to recognise small businesses and so we can feature you on there you can put a picture of yourself if you like or you can put a picture of just your product if you're a bit camera shy we'll do a wee special feature for you and bring some awareness to what you're doing and how the community can support you and growing your business so get in touch Kieran has done a good job on that has he not? He has Kieran's done a very good job and he's just um, he's a young boy not a young boy he's a man he's a young guy um, he's just starting out in his career. He's looking to build a portfolio and things, but he does really great work. He's very communicative. The prices are right, and he, like he'll work with you for whatever you want, and it works very, very hard, very quickly as well. Um, okay. so if you are, are looking for a website or like he does graphics also, so if you're just you're looking for maybe a sort of logo for your business or if you're looking for doing a fundraiser or something like that, a wee flyer, Kieran can help you with all that stuff, and we link him on um our website and Instagram and stuff as well, so you can find him with anything. Kieran Lang. There we go. Yeah. Um. The waterfront are actually doing a clean up this weekend as well. If anybody's interested in that, and they've got nothing better to do at the weekend, an anti littering campaign because I've seen lately, um, people sharing images saying, "Oh, if you're in the Belvoir area in this park, we can clean this up and stuff." So people have been absolute pigs lately and not cleaning up the rain mess, which is ridiculous. You should 
clean up your fucking shit. But an anti-litter campaign is organised a community clean-up along the waterfront in Port Glasgow this weekend. It's been uh, organised by Jackie Stoyle, who's a Lib Dem candidate for the upcoming parliamentary election, and she's um, chose this very good time to decide to do a clean-up campaign and get herself in the paper. She's hoping that people will join her on Saturday morning to pick up litter along the cycle path. She said she's sick of all the litter, which in addition to being an eyesore is a danger to wildlife, marine creatures and pets. She was so delighted with the feedback from the local community after the Tilly article, decided to organise the clean-up. Anyone who wants to take part is asked to bring along their own plastic bags, gloves and a litter picker. And you should meet Jackie at the lay-by on Lithgow Way at half ten on uh, Saturday. And I'm sure she'll tell you all about her campaign. I mean, uh, aye. That's going on. Um, More local news. There is a support group that's playing a key role in raising awareness about dyslexia and improving young youngsters' prospects. I know it's something that's very close to your heart, Brownie, having been through that as a youngster getting diagnosed, as you did. Um, but there's yep. a group called Inver- uh, Dyslexia Inverclyde. Sorry, the group is Dyslexia Inverclyde. They have worked alongside Inverclyde Council's education department to ensure that young people affected by dyslexia and dyspraxia are getting the same levels of support across the board. Because what I was quite shocked by was they talked about um, newly qualified teachers. As part of their training, they would get um, a half day to learn either about autism or dyslexia. So not only do they choose one of those and do only half a day on it, but those days are voluntary also. So it's not a mandatory part of the course. So something that expects such a mass, the, the impacts of a massive yeah. amount of people at that, something that's so, so important and is definitely going to be part of their career and the skills they're definitely going to need is actually very little to do with their training. Um, so these people, have, have, this group's went together um, and made sure that across the board and in Verclyde that everybody's going to be basically singing for the same hymn book. Um, they wanted to sort of share their understanding about dyslexia and making sure everybody's on the same page with it. Um, Michelle Wilson is a founding member of the group. We had meetings to explain the issues that people were having with their kids at school. There seemed to be inconsistencies between what some schools and others were doing. We wanted more of a shared understanding and we now feel we're all singing from the same hymn sheet. Um, there's a group member as well called Keith McEldowie who is a learning support assistant at Port Glasgow High and he said going forward all teachers will have the same awareness training what we've achieved here is a uniform approach built onto the education system and councillor Drew McKenzie has um, commended the group and said quote which uh, right, this quote from councillor McKenzie I have been working with the group from the beginning and put them in touch with the council it's a great way it's great to see the way it has developed. So Councillor Drew McKenzie just wants you to be very well aware of the fact that he's been involved from the beginning and he's the one that put them in touch with the right people. So yeah, I'm sure that's a pat on the back. On. So let's give him that. I'm sure well that group, that's brilliant. Yeah, I should have got them on Facebook, but to me that's a massive piece of my heart. Like there's one in ten kids that have dyslexia or dyspraxia. One in mm. ten, I think it's one in five that has dyslexia. And it's something you don't really know that you have and like you're scared to come out because you just really think that you, you're not getting it right. And there's, there's people out there that want to help and put things in place for you. Like, mm. I struggled with it for you. I still struggle with it, but I found ways, coping mechanisms. Please just help this group or see this if you've got kids or if you're dyslexic. Just put your hand up and go for it. Like, it yeah. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It shocked me that there's like sort of different understanding and skill set of it across the board. Like in educators, I would feel that that should have been a pretty major part of their training as teachers. I would have thought, 
and the fact that just within a town that's relatively small, even in this town, kids that could live in the same sort of district would have different education from others, like just because of the, the lack of information that's available at their school and lack of support. So it's it a surprise to me. Yeah, I've even noticed that through going to different colleges. Or like, I wasn't in school mm. like 20 years ago, and that was still like them trying to learn and try to take people in and things like that. But in colleges now, like, they, they'll put everything, they'll give you everything from the yellow bit of paper, where that's meant to help you look at the words mm-hmm. to get your reader and scribe. Like, they will help you if you go forward. Um, we had a, an interesting contribution from one of our listeners as well. Um, because in the Greenwich Telegraph today, there's a sort of days gone by fold out in the midsection where it gives you a newspaper from uh, 2014, on this day in 2014, the Greenwich Telegraph. Um, and on the front cover, there's a news section on the right-hand side, just wee small items uh, that are talking about sort of teasers of the inside stories. And one of the news stories is completely covered by a black box. So we were interested by that. So if you, in fact, do have the March 10, 2014 edition of the Greenwich Telegraph, please do um, tell us what's in that news section. Otherwise, we'll need to go and look at it ourselves and contact the telly and buy a, an archived copy. I have no idea. I wonder what that is anyway. I wonder if it's maybe a court case and maybe the statute of limitations is missed or I don't know. But something's going on there and I don't know why they did block to it, but that's going on. Um, also, did we cover the, the COVID? We, we talked about this the other day, so I'm just going to touch on it real briefly. But we talked about on Sunday the COVID outbreak up at, at Orchard View, the care home. Um, and the, they've been under criticism because they, apparently, according to family members of the people in there, um, they were accused of leaving elderly patients with no time to build up immunity to COVID because their vaccinations were carried out only two days before a deadly coronavirus outbreak. Um, the family member said, we believe that if people were vaccinated a fortnight earlier along with care home residents and we wouldn't have had folk dying. Um, and apparently these people um, in the Orchard View facility were just basically treated like members of the public. Um, patient, one relative said patients aged 80 and over received their first vaccine on February 2nd and the first positive COVID case was confirmed on February 4th. They were being treated as if they were people living in the community rather than effectively a care home environment. We believe if people in Orchard View were vaccinated a fortnight earlier along with care home residents and wouldn't have had folk dying. Another source said patients would have had some time to build up immunity to the virus if they had gotten their vaccination two weeks prior. We're really disappointed. We can't speak for others but we're sure they're not very happy so I'm sure this is not going to be the last that we hear about this. Can I also swing that to a, a better note on COVID? Yeah, that the week big The week beginning March the 1st is the lowest weekly death toll in the first nine weeks of the year. Uh, in the previous week, there were there been eight deaths. Of the 232 people who have death registered never quite for the first seven weeks of that, 70, COVID, 70 had COVID mentions. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I got mixed up because it said 19 after it, and then I, I didn't know where <laughs> that 19 came from. Yeah, so Everclyde's pandemic total is now 202 of all round, is that? Or is that just this year? It must be this year. Very informative journalism there, asking yourself questions midway through. <laughs> what a presenter. I, I got mixed up by the name 19. I forgot it was 19. He does have dyslexia and dyspraxia, so we'll, we'll give yes. that one. Um, <laughs> but to stay on COVID news, we'll sort of um, pivot onto our sort of more national news in Scotland. Um, <laughs> um, just first of all, uh, Boris Johnson's top scientific advisors have effectively ruled out an early end to lockdown, saying it's very unlikely as this would lead to more deaths. 
Chris Whitty, who is the chief medical officer for England, said that a lot more people will die if restrictions were eased quicker than planned because of the large numbers of unvaccinated younger people spreading the virus. Um, each step towards normality needed to be a manageable, manageable size and five weeks apart. Um, Nicola Sturgeon spoke on the Scottish um, changes, saying the um, modest relaxations to Scotland's controls, which allow up to four adults from two households to meet outdoors from Friday. At present, outdoor meetings can only be between two adults from two households, which the shoppers of Greenock Tesco might want to take into consideration and stop having fucking conversations in the middle of the aisles. That really grinds um, your gears, don't it? It does. People aged between 12 and 17 will be permitted to meet in groups of four, even if they're all from different households, and non and outdoor non-contact sports will reconvene. Communal worship has been expanded to 50 parishioners, providing distancing is maintained, and the First Minister is reluctant to accelerate the full opening of schools, full reopening of schools, sorry, and was criticised after it was revealed older pupils may only spend hours in the classroom before the Easter holiday. Yeah. That doesn't count the Freezer Island Tesco's. Apparently not. No. Apparently not. That really gets on my nerves. Really, really, really gets on my nerves. It's um, a bad place. So on that also, when she was talking about that, she did go into the the Rangers fans mm-hmm. over that. And I've got that here. How she wasn't very happy about it. Let's, let's put it quietly. That she was more interested. Oh, why did the police escort them through thousands of fans through the town instead of sending them home? Mm-hmm. Hopefully, reaching it, breaking benches that were people's benches, memorial the... benches. Yeah, that's that's. Awful. We we spoke about this at the weekend when it happened, and and, and when on Sunday when Celtic had just finished the match, we spoke about how in the previous evening the Rangers supporters went to Ibrooks and they were celebrating all that and like neither neither as our football people um but regardless we were happy for them to be happy and stuff like that. We did say though it's bad they weren't wearing masks, weren't being distanced and stuff like that. Um but the situation has since escalated. I've seen yeah. a lot of sort of hateful social media posts first of all and actually experienced in my own town. We've seen banners up in people's windows and things sort of inflammatory I'll put it put it politely inflammatory banners. Um, and seeing the damage that they made in Glasgow over the weekend absolutely sickening. Um, I'm hoping that some sort of recompense is going to come from that because that absolutely yeah. should not be allowed. Um, the mess that we've seen on Monday morning that they, they had been left overnight and, and there was like yeah, a van out cleaning in George Square earlier on Monday morning from the mess that they had made. It's absolutely uncalled for. I understand they were happy and excited and things like that. And this is not me being divided in any sort of like old firm lines or anything. I'm not a football supporter at all. But just the fact that, you, that they have went and... and and dis- destroyed things, broke COVID rules for a starter. Like it's very irresponsible, very dangerous. Like it's understandable they're happy, but I don't think that's acceptable behaviour one single bit. The thing that pissed me off the most about this Ash was that's where the homeless kitchen is in George Square. It's up to eighty vulnerable people went without food because they were in there. That seriously? They had to move them. Yeah. Remember we've seen the photos that we thought it kinda of looked really rushing. We've seen them queuing just uh-huh. at Christmas. Yeah, Up to is. 80 vulnerable people went without food when the kindness homeless street team of Glasgow, who run their kitchen in the square four days a week, had to move, but didn't because no one's got phones or anything around that. No one knew where they were. The community group normally offer like foods and like even emotional support, toilets and that to about 150 of them. It's a key service, yeah. Without a doubt, like that is a big. Well, we've put money in. That's an absolute lifeline for a lot of people. And just because of that, they had nowhere to go. They had to be moved. 
And mm. think about those homeless people that would have went there and just seen that and not know what to and do. Absolutely, I, they absolutely rely upon that service like, to, to get them by. It, that's absolutely shocking. MD that took part in that, MD that endorses that sort of behaviour, I don't want any any dealings with it. That's absolutely shocking. This like MD that was in any part involved in that. I hope these get maybe I don't know if you maybe sobered up now or whatever the situation is, but I hope now you look back and realise that was a foolish thing to do and you take appropriate steps, maybe make a donation to that food bank, send some sort of apology, do some sort of recompense for, for your own sake, just take some sort of accountability. Don't just think, Oh, there's hundreds of other people, it wasn't just me, take on your own bank. If you were there and participated in that, looking in hindsight, that was not the right thing to do. So Make some sort of amends for these people who whose yeah. lives you ended up just over the weekend. As a kindness home, the kindness homeless street team that you want to be getting in contact with. Um, and, and then last month we made a mostly claim made a donation to a local food bank, and um, as part of a, a giveaway we we're doing, we gave away a, some a money for. We intended to give away some money to a local person to get themselves some pizza over the weekend, but the person actually kindly wanted their donation given to vaccinators um, in our local area to, for them to get the takeaway. So we're in the process of sorting that out this week to get that done. But we made a equivalent donation to a local food bank as well. Um, and we're going to try and do that every month. So I think this month what we'll do is make a donation to the Kindness Food Bank in Glasgow and just to give them some additional support. And if you're able to as well, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Well, I would put myself forward and go up. I know it's far now and probably not, but I would want yeah. to help out in that kind of thing. Aye, and other would... times maybe that you know, we can't go to Glasgow, but we can help financially. So um, we'll do what we can this month and we'll, we'll help that organisation out this month. Not right. Um, um, just... No, it's, I'm I'm raging as well. Yeah. And <clears throat> um, on the another another SNP related topic, there was an investigation by Ofcom, um, because there was four complaints received regarding the SNP daily briefings that Nicola Sturgeon gives out every day. I'm sure you've all watched that. Um, the BBC was criticised for broadcasting the daily updates, um, because opposition politicians, the SNP, had claimed the first minister was using that platform for political purposes. So Ofcom has received those four complaints and um, then they proceeded to assess 16 random, 16 random hours of the briefings broadcasted between September and December of last year um, and they found that no issues warranted an investigation under the broadcasting code. Um, they, they noted that the broadcasts were duly impartial um, and because Sturgeon and the SNP ministers were being given a platform to promote their policies, the programmes had failed to represent the viewpoints of opposition parties. Ofcom said that was not the case, that those concerns are not the case. Ofcom said, we consider that the first segment of the First Minister's update briefings primarily focus on factual and statistical information on public health, including information about the handling of the coronavirus crisis in Scotland and the legal restrictions and measures that are being put in place to tackle it. We took into account that all of the programmes considered in this assessment were broadcast during a time when positive coronavirus cases were on the rise, including in Scotland. Ofcom considered that where statements were made by the First Minister or other Scottish ministers which could have been construed as, as critical of the UK government's policies or as promoting the SNP policies, these were appropriately contextualised and alternative viewpoints were sufficiently represented to ensure that due impartiality was preserved. <clears throat> they also said that they ensured the format and structure of the coverage of the updates on both BBC One Scotland and BBC Scotland Channel evolved to reflect the range of political opinions on the management of the pandemic and Ofcom had reminded all broadcasters to take care about bias in the run-up to the elections on the 6th of May. So what are they wanting? Like, she's the leader of Scotland, so that's our thing. By saying that she's not doing what Boris said, look, Boris is running the UK now he does England, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. What? Well, What's the point of what they want like, each party to come out and give their own coronavirus? Here is the Greens, exactly yeah. what she said. 
just listen to what she said, but we've said it. But it's mental. That is just silly stuff. Aye, it's silly, but um, it's uh, the Ofcom exists to, to regulate things, to investigate things. They've done their due diligence and they've sufficiently proved that it was not they having political bias and it was it fared in the middle balance. So, but four people, four people would, in that that construed that investigation. You would think they would need to be over like a threshold of like what, like either a hundred or something before they check into it. I think actually they have to look at even if there's just one. Really. Mm-hmm. Um, on the SNP, I'm going to go into a story here and I'm going to um, contextualise this first of all by saying um, this is from um, the Mail, the Scottish Daily Mail, the Scottish version of the Mail. Um, this is a story in there and so all I'm reporting, is, all we report on this is what the papers have today. It's just a, a, a press roundup, it's a paper roundup is what we're doing. So bear in mind that's what it's from, the story that I'm going to um, go through today. So just keeping in mind and creating research into this. Um, so what is being alleged, they're covering an SNP worker yesterday made a direct plea to party bosses to launch an investigation into claims he had been sexually harassed by two nationalist MPs, and by nationalist MPs, they mean members of the Scottish National Party. Um, allegations about one male and one female MP have been swept under the carpet by the party, they say. Um, the man in question said he was called into a room with a man he accused of harassment without prior notice by the SNP leader at Westminster, Ian Blackford, which he described as quote-unquote ambush. The SNP said the party had offered advice on how to submit a complaint through the Westminster process, but the worker yesterday wrote to the SNP's headquarters to demand the party launch its own investigation. Um, he wrote an a, a email chain with the SNP's compliance officer, um, Ian McCann, and Sue Ruddock, who's its chief operating officer, saying, I would like to confirm that this email chain is my complaint, referring to the discussions that it had by email. Please confirm that it will be investigated by the party. Um, also, over the last month in the email chain, they copied in Nicola Sturgeon and Kirsten Oswald, who's the, the, the deputy leader at Westminster uh, for the SNP. Uh, the man said, I'm upset at the handling of this over the years and subsequent sexual harassment stories within the party. The incident happened in 2016. Um, a male MP perched on a couch in the water port bar um, and it started putting his fingers down the back of the man's collar. The man says, touching me inappropriately there, and referring to his, his private areas, and grabbing his hair. He didn't initially raise a complaint, but claimed a third party flagged up to party leaders and that Mr Blackford called him into his office where the accused MP was sitting on the couch crying. So we'll make clear, uh, Ian Blackford's not the man being accused. He was he is, is, was going to act as the intermediary between the, the accuser and the accused um, and invited the accuser into his office where the accused was sitting here. Um, and this man is referring to that as an ambush. At that, at that meeting, um, the man says that the MP in question apologised um, and responded because it was OK because I wasn't going to tear down this guy in front of me. I wouldn't view this as mediation, he added. I would view it as an ambush. So at the time in 2016 when it happened, the man was OK with it. But now, um, with hindsight and what's going on in 2021 with the SNP and with sexual assault um, allegations, he's decided to come forward. He's saying... Um, I'm upset at the handling of this over the years and subsequent sexual harassment stories within the party. There should be absolutely no situation where the leader slash employer brings the victim into a room with the harasser without any prior notice. I wish for all of this to be reported and investigated. If this continues not to be dealt with, I'll have no choice but to go public with this, which now has. I've been subject to sexual harassment far more than I would have expected in this job, sometimes by other staff in other parties or house staff, but to receive it from the SNP, an organisation I was in love with, is too much. 
um, separate allegations from a female MP are also part of this. That's from January last year in the Strangers Bar uh, at Westminster. Um, he said the woman was clearly very, very drunk. She was grabbing my hand, pulling me closer and saying things like, you should come home with me. She was saying things that were completely inappropriate, he said, in terms of what she wanted to do when I went home with her. It is one thing to be like that one-on-one, but in public in the bar with other people there, it's not a great look. Last night, the female MP who is not named, there are malicious allegations which are completely without foundation whatsoever. I have received legal advice in order to defend my good name and reputation from these baseless lies. The male MP refused to, um, to respond to requests for comment. The SNP spokesman said, the SNP has today received a formal complaint that now allows due process to take place and we will not be commenting further while an investigation is underway. Conservative MSP Annie Wells said it appears that Nicola Sturgeon's party has yet again failed a victim of alleged sexual misconduct. There can be no place in our politics or powerful individuals using their status to sexually target others. Her party is engulfed in sleaze and Scotland deserves so much better. Um, the only reason it appears to have become public is because of the way the SNP have mishandled it. And when asked for comment yesterday, Deputy First Minister John Swinney, who's under his own um, voting on confidence today, has said the issue will be pursued properly and appropriately by the SNP and those involved. So the SNP are going through it right now. Is that a doubt? Just, just don't drink at work. I'm going to play this comment. Yep, yep go ahead. Hi guys, um, just wanted to touch base with you guys. Uh, it sounds like this sounds like an office talk, doesn't it? I just want to touch base with you, but I just wanted to say, um, hope you guys are doing okay. Great to listen to your podcast, um, and about things that were going on with the SNP and nationalists and everything like that. Um, personal question to you both, really: Are you? I want to know because you guys sound young. Are you happy to remain in the union with the UK or would you like to remove yourself from it? And if so, I'd be interested to know why. Um, and this is, question is from no judgment. This question isn't a, I'm not a, I'm not a unionist. I'm not a, I'm not anything to be quite honest. I'm quite open-minded, but I'd just be, I'd love to hear your views on it. All the best guys. Thank you so much. That was very nice well, of you. Well. Quite a well put together question, also for football. Yeah, <laughs> you want to go first? Well, I'm all in for Scottish independence. I'll be honest, I'm 37, so I've I was there when they opened oh, the parliament and all that. Yeah, so maybe I have a useful voice. I don't know. Do you? I don't know. I, I really don't. Well, I'm all in for Scottish independence. I've I've seen what's going on and I've seen all the lies and all that. and I don't know. I watched Braveheart as a kid, and it's always always annoyed me to be. Honest. <laughs> and that was it. Like, I was brought up in that sort of thing. Like my family have always been Scottish. Like, my my dad just gets slagged off for being in the tartan farting party, and it's always been like a strong bone, like a strong like thing in our family. Mm-hmm. And it's just we need. Like, if you look back on it, we haven't been given a good deal at all. Ash. Like, yeah, it's just. People are grown older and grown weary of it, and we've got a part. We've got a prime minister, a, a party we didn't even vote for. If you look in Scotland, what, how many did they get there? Mm-hmm. But we don't want them, and they're just coming at us. With <clears throat> What's your opinion? Because it will... um, I I'm in favour of of Scottish independence, just for the fact that I mean I I, I did vote yes. Um, in in the 2014 referendum, and my views have probably just got stronger over time. I feel like Scotland's a, a, 
a country that's sort of rich in natural resources, first of all, because it seems always that the the argument that's thrown back um, to us by the, the British government is that we we can't stand on our own two feet financially. I don't believe that to be the case. Nope. Um, like Scotland is is thirty four percent. The UK's natural wealth is in Scotland, and we're eight percent of the population. We've got you know ninety six percent of the crude oil and, and natural gas, sixty percent natural gas. Um, we've got a lot of resources here, the fishing industry, the oil and gas industry. We've got like, the, the renewable energy generation. There's a lot going on up here. Um, I believe that we, we can stand on our own independently financially, so I don't think that's a good reason. We were promised things in, in 2014 that we were not given. We were, we were promised that we could stay part of the EU um, and, and, and part of that access to the trade market, which is going to have a big, big effect on Scotland. Immigration is going to have a big effect on Scotland if people from, like skilled people from the EU are not able to come in. Um, and you can see just from the EU referendum that Scotland as a whole wanted to remain in the EU um, oh, and it's just it's disregarded. Um, so I, I feel like even if you're, even if you're um, I don't know, like a pessimist, I suppose, you could probably look at it as in what's the worst that can happen because the British government's not doing a great job for us anyway. Yeah. They're, they're not doing a great job anyway. And even things like you know, on the side of for like British people listening, English people listening that... Um, are thinking on it like they're always like we're hearing arguments saying that the, the English people were trying to having to pay for Scotland and all that sort of stuff. It's costing these money and stuff. So I don't know why it's always the argument that they're, they're fighting to keep us so much. Why would that be? You know, Scotland's the only country that was been given their independence and voted against it ever. That makes me sad. Like I don't, I don't make... even like talking about independence. I'm like, yeah. as you know, like I, for fun, sit and watch election, general elections and stuff like that. But I cannot rewatch the independence referendum because it just makes me feel like my own country has stabbed itself in the foot. Like I feel that there's a lot of things here that would make us prosper, make us like a good, strong nation, um, and make us a good trading ally for for England yeah. and like. I think it would be good for everybody involved and just to let us stand on our own two feet and do the things that we know that we're capable of doing. There's a lot of very clever, talented people in Scotland and we've got a lot of resources here. I think we could do a good job on our own and size has got nothing to do with it, population has got nothing to do with it because there's much smaller countries than us that have done very successfully. So I think, I hope in my lifetime that I will see it. Um, and if I'm I wrong, I'm standing to say that I'm wrong, but I really, I've really got a firm belief in it and I really will support it. I just but saying that though on on this podcast we 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 present just everything that's been used to you. We make it clear yeah. where it's coming from and stuff like that. Well, that might be our own views. We're very open to having debates and discussions every day. We know everyone's yeah. got their own viewpoints, and we absolutely respect that. So, um, if anybody ever does want to get get in contact and have a chat and stuff like that, we're totally up for that. We're not saying that it's wrong and that we're against people that that don't think we should have Scottish independence. That's your belief, and that's great. And it sort of takes all sorts to make a world and we're interested in everybody's opinion so please don't feel that that sounds like sort of you know diminishing your opinion or something yeah. not at all that we, we we appreciate and respect your opinion a lot um, and we'd like to hear from everybody so um yeah that's just our own personal thoughts on it uh, i just feel the united kingdom made us look like dicks for the totals that oh if you leave you won't be allowed in the eu you'll be away from the eu don't look don't do that you'll be you'll be kicked out and have to use the euro you won't be allowed to use that then less than a couple of years later, we're out of the EU because they dragged us out. But after using that scare tactics to keep us to begin mm-hmm. with, mental. I dislike as well how a lot of the media sort of portrays it as the reason that we want out is because we hate English people and we've got this sort of like, like the way you brought up William Wallace and stuff like that, as if we've got this sort of like hatred of the English and that's why we want out and stuff. It isn't. 
it's just because we've got a lot of stuff on in this country and we want a chance to run our own country on our own when it comes to elections we want the things that we vote for and the things that we find important to be reflected in the way that our countries run and just by the way it runs at the moment just because of the way the electoral system is and the way that our representation is that we're not getting our fair share and the way that the Scottish National Party are treated in Westminster and um, by the Tory government is really derisive and disrespectful and, and like I find that disrespectful as a voter I feel that the government's basically saying that directly to me I find that really really upsetting to watch they sit and laugh at them and it is I just hate it I absolutely hate it I think it's very you... divisive and I think it's upsetting that the way that the country is right now and I, I really feel that that's the Conservative government that have made it that way. They've made it as a us versus them kind of thing rather than let Scotland have their independence. It's obviously the way it's going and a lot of people in Scotland want, not everybody, but a lot of people do want it. Um, and maybe the, the, the British government should look at it as, well, that's what they want. Let's let them have it. Let's support them in it. Let's let, encourage them to become their own independent country and do the best they can. And we'll still have a good relationship and, and work together. Why does it have to be a us versus them? It's like, oh, if we a football game, or if we lose, they win and stuff like that. Nobody's going to lose and nobody's going to win. Like the only winners can be if we support each other and then we can both prosper as like a friendship, really. Like, why can't it be that way? Did you see today that even what you're talking about, because Ian Blackford wasn't there, Boris Johnson had a wee shot at him because he wasn't. Yeah. And it's just not right. Mm. And just because you use the term Scottish nationalist, also, mm-hmm. that really grinds my gears. All right. We'll yeah. Go, we'll I go for the comments. Let's see them. Speaking as an English person, but I'm I'm suppose I'm more liberal on the side of English to be quite honest than the right wingers. I find it right really I find me I find it really sad that I hear Scottish people say they want to leave the union, but obviously I don't understand there's a history behind that, like you said, Braveheart and everything like that. And stuff that's gone down, but in a more modern time, it's just like the Brexit result. Scotland overwhelmingly voted to stay. And then England voted to pretty much to leave. And it's like, of course you're going to want to piss off when you've got small-minded people. And I, I, I see this with people that I live in. The area I, I live in was overwhelmingly Brexit. And it's um, it annoys me too. And I'm like, fuck it. I wish I could come and live in Scotland <laughs> because it seems more liberal-minded. <laughs> but in a way, I think maybe I shouldn't live in Scotland because Scotland, a lot of Scottish people don't like the English. So, but um, yeah, I... I I, I hear your pain. I do, honestly. Some of us like the English. There are some Scottish people that are just dicks, though, and they'll say they don't like the English and all that sort of stuff, but they're just dicks anyway. There's dicks in every country that you live in, so no. that's just the way it is. I think my Braveheart comment makes it sound like if I want to like, hit swords off at every... That's not true. No, no. <laughs> no you probably say it in a jokey way and it could be taken wrong and stuff like that. I, I hope it's not so. At all. Um, if I ever comments. see my face painted somewhere, I'll be scared. Right, <laughs> yeah, and, and sorry, you talking about hating English people. Yeah, that is my worry for me. It's like, oh, why do Scottish people hate English people? And I'm thinking, well, there's there's a harsh history there, but that's hundreds of years ago. But there is a kind of like a stereotype, Scottish people hate English people. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't hate English people. I would like to see Scotland become an independent country. And for England to support us, for us to support England in the way of friendship and like in trade and stuff, support each other in whatever way we can and like work together, be friends and, and maybe create this sort of like new interesting relationship dynamic. Like our country's got a lot of elderly people in it, it's an aging population and 
if the younger generation that's coming up, it seems a lot more liberal and stuff like that. Let's yeah. find a new way of addressing it, a new way of looking at it. Like you said, like oh, this sort of Scotland versus England thing. It's like a historic thing, and some people bring up like football and all that sort of stuff, but that just makes it even more divisive. Like I really think yeah. it's, it's it's time for a new way of looking at it, and it's like, I, I don't know. It's a bigger I, issue than us anyway. Much smarter yeah. than us can't figure it out. But it's just that's our thoughts on it. I think if there were a Scottish independence, it wouldn't be like people wouldn't hate England so much. Like they would just be like, "Oh, that's England." Like mm-hmm. it wouldn't have that sort of like tension of overlords from mm-hmm. Westminster sort of. I think that's maybe the feeling of a lot of Scottish people is like when they think of English people, they think of people like they think of like people like the Prime Minister that talk down to them and very much just always talk about England and how things affect England, which is fair enough, that's where they're located and stuff like that, but in this country we don't have a centralised government and things, the way it's spread out is like, it's for the benefit of the rich and that's what's been promoted there, like we see the government giving all these contracts to their friends and the rich getting richer and things like that, well meanwhile there's communities up here that we talked about last week on the podcast they're having to do fundraisers to make food banks for their own schools because they're so impoverished I don't know how that can be, it's really unfair but um we're going to have to move topics i'm afraid it's interesting yeah. that as we might need to talk about that another day because we've got another massive one um of the the megan and harry thing <clears throat> so we know you're probably very sick of it you've heard it uh, seen it all over the press in the last couple of days but we're going to cover it because it is in the papers um and it's the sort of the the nation's talking point just now everybody's interested in it Um, we're going to start with the mail um you probably do know the views of the mail we're reading the scottish daily mail which is is slightly different from the english one but same um singing from the same hymn sheet singing from the same hymn sheet exactly the same sort of political views that are behind it same message that they portray and we're going to go and read through some things here not everything that we necessarily agree with there is undertones of this that is troubling um but we're going to go through this anyway we'll we'll do this comment real quick in case that's on the the independence topic i think um Obviously, I'm in England, obviously, but um, talking about um, like, I do find that a lot of conservatism and even just the government in general is, let's concentrate the wealth in London and in the south of England, and you know, being vulgar, but fuck everywhere else, you know, everywhere else doesn't get much, but let's concentrate everything in the south of England, and I think that is a common theme amongst a lot of us, um as citizens in general but i i can imagine it's even more further removed in scotland to be quite honest i I can um obviously i don't know what it's like but um i can imagine it's even further removed there so yeah i I don't blame you guys you know it's interesting just i just talked between the three of us like between us two and, and that contributor like we've got so much in common like really the only difference is the accent we sound different but we're not really that different. We've probably got very similar political views and stuff like that. It's yeah. just that um, I, would, I would imagine there's people in England that probably feel let down by the government there and, and in the same country as you. So it's a difficult one. And it's like, going, since we're moving on to the, the, the Meghan and Harry thing, it's once again the media using that as a chance to promote like an almost football team sort of style and antagonism almost. It's like yeah. us versus them. It's very much somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. And I don't know why it has to be that way. Um, so with the Scottish Daily Mail today, they are leading with the headline poll. Now strip them of their titles with a big picture of Harry and Meghan here. Um, they done a poll yesterday through a company called JL Partners, which you can find online quite easily if you just Google JL Partners. It's the first thing that comes up today. It's, it's popular 
on there. The poll found that 51% of Britons would back a sanction to remove uh, Meghan and Harry's royal titles. It should be stripped from them. 28% were against. Um, and just opening up the mail, they have what's, got what's called today a Meghan and Harry fallout special. And it's pages and pages, screeds of information, um, dissecting everything. There's a, a double page spread here with the outcome of the poll that was done with JL partners. Lots of questions. We're not going to go through them all. But the main thing we're going to talk about here, uh, one of them, um, should the monarchy be abolished? There was the same question asked um, to a selection of people in January of 2020. <clears throat> At that point, 25% of uh, people in, uh, said that the monarchy should be abolished last January and 61% said no. Now that same poll was done um, yesterday said 29% said yes, it should be abolished, 50% said no. So um, we done a poll on the Mouth of the Clyde Instagram. We've let that run for a wee while. I'm going to tell you that the results of that now. Um, has your opinion of the royal family been influenced by the interview was the question we posed. Uh, 29% are saying yes, 71% are saying no. The next question we posed was, has the interview damaged or improved your opinion on the royals? 75% says damaged, uh, 25% says improved. So this interview has made waves, it has made opinions. How long-lasting they're going to be, it's hard to tell. One part of it, a big massive part actually of it is the poll, was asking the public opinion of each member of the royal family individually. Um, the Queen's rating has gone down by two per, two points since January 2020. Prince William's gone down seven. Uh, Kate, uh, Catherine, Duchess of Cambridge, has gone down eight points. Princess Anne has had no change. Prince Philip has gone up one. Prince Harry down 15, which is surprising. Prince okay, Charles yeah. down 13. Camilla has went up nine. <clears throat> Meghan as well, Duchess of Sussex, has went down six. And Prince Andrew has went down 12. No, um, Prince Andrew. There was a... <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Bad throat today, my asthma. Um, do you or do you not believe that Meghan was a victim of racism? Um, so it's split into two parts. One of them within the royal family, one within the country at large. Within the royal family, um, 34% of people think that Meghan was a victim of racism within the royal family. Um, and 37% think Meghan was a victim of racism within the country at large. Um, and speaking on the Meghan and Harry thing, we're not going to dissect the interview because we know you've seen that a lot. There's a lot of um, sort of op-ed pieces in here talking about quotes like how dark the baby's skin would be in the sort of the investigation that yeah. Buckingham Palace is putting into the allegations of racism. They're saying they're going to be handling that privately as a family because it's a family issue. What we're going to touch on is sort of the sort of other things that are sort of more updated news um, Boris Johnson has been criticised for staying silent, silent on the Brown Gulf and the royal family. Um, the Downing Down Street yesterday confirmed the Prime Minister has in fact watched the two-hour conversation that the couple had with Oprah Winfrey, but is refusing to comment on the Prime Minister's uh, views, <clears throat> the Prime Minister's views on it. Uh, declined to answer any questions arising from it or even defend the royal family was the key thing. Um, but another. Um, Another Tory minister did, well, a former minister, sorry, comment on it. Steve Brown spoke to Times Radio and said, they said they wanted to get away from the limelight. I have never known two people to seek a normal life so desperate to have the very opposite. He added, I think when they are older, they'll look back on this week and I think they'll regret doing it. Um, let's play this comment and we'll go on uh, further on this. Okay. Here's a question for you guys. Would you be happy in a union if it was far more egalitarian so it's far more equal than it is now because um we all voted to remain in the european union we want to be together as a as a people 
So would that be better if we could be more egalitarian with how it was? It wasn't all in Westminster. It was it was represented much more proportionally. I can't even say the word, but you, you get what I mean. Um, would you be interested in the union then is, as people, as a just, just being people? Or even then, would that not be it and you'd want Scottish independence? I'm just wondering. Because um, for me, I, I just want everybody to be happy together. And um, that's my view. And I, I try and look beyond nationality, but I understand, like, you've been fucked over by Westminster for ages, so would you be happy with um a more egalitarian government than what currently we have? Would you remain in a union then? I think I would be open to, to hearing ideas on that. It does worry me what's going on with the SNP at the moment, with the allegations, and they're under a lot of criticism, so maybe there is room for another party to come up and, and maybe Labour even... They've got a new leader in Scotland, Anna Sarwar, maybe to come up with a view of uh, let's propose electoral reform, let's have a discussion on this, how can it be more representative? I've been open to hearing those arguments. I'm not saying that what the SNP are doing is exactly right and I agree with absolutely everything they say because I don't. I would be open to hearing um, other ideas. How do you feel on that? I feel we need a breakup. Like I, I feel that we, it's, it's not fixable now. And if someone comes out, there will always be that seed stuck that we went for a breakup and it didn't work. That will always be there and will always be pushed at us. Like if something goes like that, no, like, well, you did try to do that and you didn't. Mm. And so I always feel that that will be in the back. And I can see where he's coming from. Like, we all just want to get along. Mm-hmm. But it, that's just throwing the, the baby away with the bathwater now with that sort of thing. Like, yeah. It's not, it's, I would love it also. I would love everyone to be cool together mm-hmm. but Boris Johnson called his jock a stan mm-hmm. but yeah but that's Boris always... Johnson like probably yeah. even to other English people Boris Johnson's probably a prick I don't feel like he's actually representative of the average, average Englishman to be honest yeah but Westminster as a whole though like, mm. we've always been used as, like how many well, how many people do you see um in the Houses of Commons that looks like you, or looks like your dad, or you know your mum. How much do you see yourself represented in that place? Dennis Skinner's gone, so then nobody's. <laughs> yeah, comparatively, when you look at Holyrood and see the people that's in yeah. the Scottish government, you look at those people and be like, "Oh, she looks at like my neighbour that I hate, or she reminds me of my auntie." There's people in there that is us. We are there. There are wee women that sits behind Nicola Sturgeon that's always got like badly dyed hair. That I think and she's always raging like, looking. Always raging that reminds Aye. me of my nan. You know exactly. I've Aye, never I know heard her mean. speak. I'm, I know who always, I'm not going to name her. <laughs> she's always sitting and she's always got a face like fizz. And I'm like, mm. I feel like she would come out and shout at me about bins. Mm. Like she looks like that. Right, I'll go back to um, the Megan and Harry thing. Back to senior Tory aides and sources here. Um, Zach Goldsmith, environment um, minister. Uh, was wrote on Twitter on Monday night. What is that noise? Can you hear that? What? I can't hear anything. Can you still hear me? Okay. I'm I'm good. See, right, so because my, my AirPods died. Sorry, I have to just speak into my phone as is. Um, All right, all right. Sorry, Zach Goldsmith. I was talking about. Um, is he that tweeted. The one with the wig? No. Um, right, Zach Goldsmith tweeted on Monday night um, Harry's family, Harry's blowing up his family, <clears throat> what Megan wants Megan gets um, so some Tories are out speaking out on this and one of your favourite Tories has come out speaking out on this Moggy 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 Moggy, Moggy. 
Moggy, Moggy, Moggy. What has Moggy said? Well, let me grab it. And will I need a thesaurus and a dictionary to understand? No, but it, it, it was... So what it was, apparently it was on a podcast the other night, you know, the Mogcast. Could <laughs> um, we was, get him on this? I doubt very much Moggy would come on here. Would we change it to Mouse of the Mog for one night only? No, we would not. Alright, we won't. But... We absolutely will not. Mog is funny, is like a sort of a comical grasshopper character, but we're not saying we endorse Jacob no, Mog. We we don't at all. But yes, he's a caricature. Look, look, people like that are still living in the century. Is bizarre. Yeah. God almighty, can you talk about something else? I'm going to find what Mog said. Talk okay. about the Meghan and Harry situation. Just continue, and I'll find Mog's quote. All right. The other things that I got from that, I'm going to touch on Megan's father. Megan's father is going to keep going to the press and keep calling them out until she speaks to him, which I know, like, shouting at a window isn't the best way to get Isn't that just basically out. blackmail? Yeah, pretty much blackmail. Just shouting isn't going to the way to make peace with someone. Fucking shouting? Yeah, that's what he's doing. He's pretty much shouting at the window. Come out, we can be friends. He's going to stage as many paparazzi photos and just make as much money until she wants to be mates with him. She's never going to speak to him if he does things like this. Have you seen the quotes from um, the American TV show hosts that, that on this Meghan and Harry thing? Uh, no, I don't think I have, Ash. Um, so Seth Meyers spoke on his show on NBC. Britain's Prince Harry and Duchess Meghan Markle. So he called him Britain's Prince Harry, but Duchess Meghan Markle. Sat down mm. for an interview last night with Oprah Winfrey or as British tabloids reported it, Harry's Kidnapper Speaks. Um, Jimmy Fallon said, yeah, it was a big event, mainly because they revealed the baby's gender in California, because it was revealed the baby's gender in California without burning down an entire forest, Um, which obviously people have gender reveals with sparklers and stuff and setting the forest on fire. Um, Jimmy Kimmel, everyone thinks marrying a prince is like a fairy tale, turns out it's not. Meghan Markle said that when she joined the royal family, they took away her passport, driver's license and keys. Welcome to the royal family. Please remove your belt and get ready for a cavity search. Um, He added, Meghan said at one point things got so bad that she went to HR at Buckingham Palace for help and they refused to help. It's funny that the royal palace has HR and it's just as unhelpful as HR everywhere else. Yeah. Stephen Colbert on CBS said, hold up, you're saying Buckingham Palace has HR? How long has that been around? because you would think someone in human resources might have stepped in and tell Henry VIII that chopping your wife's head off <laughs> could be interpreted as a hostile work environment. Um, Jimmy Kimmel also said, Harry said racism was a big part of their decision to leave. You know things are bad at Buckingham Palace if they came to America to get away from racism. Yes. Um, and, <laughs> um, Colbert, imagine after centuries of inbreeding, all of a sudden these people were concerned about the colour of a baby's skin. Prince Charles has the ears of a basset hound and they're worried about the skin. It's never good when the British ruling classes think someone is too dark. They steal their land and make them play cricket. Oh, uh, yeah. Look, if you think about the British Empire, it's mostly countries in Africa and all and all that. And now they're like, we own pretty much all you and stole all your diamonds and money. But if one of you, if someone with dark skin is in our family, we're not having that. It's... Mm mental like yeah. the whole thing is just not right in a certain way like the whole like i've never been a fan of the, mm. of the royal um, family 
I've got my mog information here now. Sorry about the delay on that. Um, Mogamation. Um, he appeared on the podcast Mogcast, as, as I was saying. Um, it's called Conservative Homes Mogcast. Um, is it his first? Uh, so he's the first cabinet minister to give a personal opinion on it. Sorry. Um, he's saying that the Queen's loved across her realms. She has been a model of duty since she made that statement in South Africa, age 21, about how her whole life, whether it be long or short, would be spent in the service of the whole imperial family. That is what she has done. She has done her duty. I think she is loved across her realms for that, and I don't think interviews with chat show hosts in the United States make a great deal of difference to that. The term realms, that's just Game of Thrones right in there, ain't it? Look. Um, and they we... referred to it as well because the Sussex Sussex had brought up the issue of <clears throat> of their son not be not having a a title, and the reason for that was was clarified as well with some specialists in the royal family that are brushed up on their history. And um, this is because of rules that George V made in 1917, meaning that the great grandchild of a monarch, monarch doesn't have uh, isn't stylized in that way. Um, but things may change when Charles becomes monarch. Although there are arguments to that, because as we've seen before, Prince Charles is a great advocate of having a quote-unquote slimmed-down royal family in order to save the taxpayer money. Um, and so some believe that he will not give make Archie a prince or an HRH. But it was my understanding when Archie was born, I, I don't know if this was just misinterpreted through the media, um, but it was my understanding it was by request of Meghan and Harry that their son not be a, an HRH or a prince because he wanted him to have a, royal, a, a normal life. That was the reason he didn't share the birth and, and various other things like his godparents and stuff. I thought that was their decision from what they're, they're saying in the interview this week. That's it, apparently not their decision. Um, but Jacob Rees-Mogg continued comment on that, saying uh, their son has a title. He is Lord Dumbarton, Earl of Dumbarton, He's entitled to use his father's subsidiary title if he so chooses. And his sister, as I understand it, is coming along the way. She will be Lady Christian name Mountbatten-Windsor. And that is a perfectly normal process in line with what has been the case. Um, so it, 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 the the papers as well were covering the issue of security for Archie because the Sussex had made some comments on that that saying security wouldn't be provided for them. Um, that was disputed by people at Scotland Yard. And they said, uh, they said that the the case, the point they were making was stupid. A baby c- that can't crawl wouldn't get protection on its own right. It doesn't need it. The baby doesn't go anywhere independently. Independently, it's with Harry and Meghan all the time. A Home Office source said, when they stepped away from royal duties, if they then aren't going to have any contact with the public, they're going to be living in a private home. The risk assessment is automatically reduced. So even without any changes in status, just not doing those day to day things will reduce your risk assessment. Di Davies, or Day Davies, I'm sorry, I'm not sure, but the former super chief and a former chief superintendent um, who ran Metropolitan Police and uh, the Royal Protection Unit within the Metropolitan Police said there was no automatic right to security because Harry was born royal. He said the duty on the officers is to protect the Queen and the line of succession. If there were any concerns about their safety, then they are now US residents and she's a citizen. The FBI would also take appropriate action. If there was any known risk or perceived threat, then the couple, then the action could be taken by the police there. Um, I think the key takeaway from that was that the the duty officers, the, the royal protection officers, their main role is to protect the queen and the line of succession. They're not protecting the individual per se; they're protecting the crown and the people in line to inherit that. I'm not saying that that's right or wrong, but the people at the very top who worked in that arena are saying that was their role. That is what they're there to do. Um, and as we know, Harry, uh, Harry's child is not in the line of succession. He's, well, as I said, they initially said when the baby was born, they had taken him out of that, but it, they're now saying that was a decision made by the royal family. Whether there's any 
whether the truth as we had said with this interview as well and I think we have to keep in mind we heard Megan and Harry's story and they were very forthcoming and shared a lot of information but as always with, with arguments there's a their version and another and, side. And, and side of the story there's always another side of the story um, we spoke about this as well before there, there's a generational split on mm. this issue with with younger people tending to side with Megan and Harry thinking that the the old-fashioned institution and in sort of history of what's called the firm meaning the royal family um is sort of taking over them rep- repressed them and they are like sort of quote-unquote woke people um a yougov poll actually found that 48 percent of 18 to 24 year olds sympathize more with the sussexes while just nine percent of over 65s sided with a couple um, only 13% of the youngest age group back the royal family compared with 50% of pensioners. So it's very much the young ones, the younger sort of 18 to 24 year olds are very much Team Sussex um, and the older ones are, are, are with the royal family. Um, and no more clear was that divide exhibited to us this week than Pierce Morgan. Do you want to go into that? I can go into the old Pierce Morgan. Pierce Morgan, at probably about half six in the morning, Ended up arguing with Alex. Let me get his second name. Did it just say Alex under his picture? Is it Beresford, Alex uh, Beresford. Alex Beresford. And Alex Beresford gave him what for when he was talking about it. Look, Pierce Morgan has a bee in his bonnet oh, over. Sorry, but I didn't hear what you just said that like cut out. I don't know if listeners could hear, but I didn't. Uh, Pierce Morgan's had a bee in his Alex Beresford gave him what for, pretty much, for talking about. No, you cut out again. I didn't hear any of that. All right, sorry, I'll go again. Maybe watch your headphones after it happened to me. Go with the one on the on the phone. Yeah, that's what I'm using. All sorry, right, guys, we're just that. having technical issues this evening, but we'll persevere. Can you hum the Jeopardy theme till I get I get a sweat? How's that? Is that better? Not really. What's going on? All right, I've got this. Because that's me using the one on the phone. All right, okay. Sorry, if you want to continue on your Pierce Morgan, I apologise. Right, I just have to put it so I can hear you. Speaker on. Sorry about that. Yeah, this is... I'll, I'll, I'll um, speak for you a bit while you get your issues sorted out. Um, so as you all probably know, Pierce Morgan quit um, ITV's Good Morning Britain last night. Um, that's after sort of widespread condemnation that he had for saying the Duchess of Sussex was lying um, when she had said that she went through a, a period of uh, suicidal thoughts last year um, before her departure for the royal family. Um, live on air, he was challenged by another host of the show, Alex Beresford, as well as just saying, um, who called um, Piers Morgan's remarks diabolical and suggested that he was motivated by a dislike of Meghan. That's obviously going back to the fact that uh, uh, allegedly uh, Meghan and Piers Morgan went out for what he, he said was a date, but she said that they just met for some drinks. Again, two sides of the story there, we don't know, but that's the history between those two. But she never called him back, apparently ghosted him, because that was around the time that she met um, Prince Harry. Um, obviously, Piers Morgan has a history as well. He was uh, the, the editor back in the day of, of the Daily Mirror, um, and he, he ended up getting sacked for putting fo- hoax photographs out, um, showing what was allegedly abuse of Iraqi prisoners by British troops, but it was then brought as a hoax, and so he was sacked. 
Um, this departure is is questionable in my view because it's it, it seems like a, he jumped before he was pushed thing. It seemed like they took him into is what he called it, read him the riot act, is what his agent said. Um, but I think it's it's either you're quitting or we're firing you. How do you want this to look in a PR wise? Yeah, it's and also the uh, Alex Beresford also is mixed race and he has a child of the same sort of thing as as Harry does and he's been asked many questions about skin colour also so he, he really took it personally and that was like he had like that back of it like he it didn't go down well and he, he wouldn't stop like have you seen the footage like he just yeah um, the, the Piers Morgan departure apparently was uh, following uh, 41,000 viewer complaints at least um, and there's allegedly been a formal complaint by Meghan Markle herself to ITV so um, whether there's any truth behind that we'll see and I'm sure more information is going to come out on this um, as it goes but um, for now we, we've got our, our sort of time limit for how long we go on most of the Clyde here so we'll head off um, since we're having technical issues anyway we apologise for that um, but we are going to be back on um, Friday evening. We'll do a sort of more relaxed show there. We will do a new roundup. But we'll sort of mostly have a chat with you. So if you're free, please join us. Um, we'll be here on Friday evening. And in the meantime, you can contact us at Mouth of the Clyde social media or www.mouthoftheclyde.com and get in touch with us. And again, if we can just thank our sponsors at the Inverclyde Boiler Company um, and to all the contributors that we've had on this evening, thank you so much. And we hope that you join us again Friday. Yep. It was lovely speaking to you all. Um, and we hope you have a good night. We hope you have a good night. And that was a long news story today. It Thanks, was. Ash. Thank you so much. We'll speak to you all later. Take care. Good night. See you, Friday.